0: What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the Play On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski. Thank you for joining me. Uh, wow. A lot has happened uh, as of recently. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are staying in your lane. This and this. Do this. I want you to do this. You should only do this. Um, you know with having a platform like this there is a sense of responsibility um, you don't know, take it or leave it but I think there is a, a, you know, a reason why people listen uh, to certain people I'm not just referring to my own podcast but uh, I, I think people value other people's opinions other ways that they look at life and I think that being a decent human being uh, looking at everybody uh, as a story rather than just a cover of a book I I think is is huge I think everybody has character I think everyone should be judged on their character and obviously not on the color of their skin and I think that it's something that really needs to be addressed kind of across the board Um, and addressed in a way I I mean of just man just to be a good person it's crazy just what we we let people get away with and we're okay with even when somebody doesn't know anything about that other person but they they just throw judgment and I'm you know I'm, I'm guilty of it myself I'll, I'll you know I won't get to know a person and I will I will cast this this little judgment and then I'll look back and I'm like, well, but wh- why? I don't even know the person. I mean, it's it's, it's judging anybody by their by the way they look, um, by they carry themselves. Obviously, there's first impressions, but you you know, I've been working uh, very hard at just trying to see people more than just you know how how I initially see them, and um, I think a lot of people need to to work on that and maybe think of having that be something that kind of directs their decision making in life and um, you're not going to get along with everybody obviously and there is going to be times where you um, you know you just you have very strong feelings against somebody but make sure that those strong feelings in either direction um, are for a purpose other than something material or physical um, it's just we're in a time where we need each other and we need communities and we need leaders and we need each other uh, and it's just the last thing we need is, is to become separated or on different pages I mean it's I don't know, life is short, and, um, anyway, I don't mean to go on, well, I do, you know what, I do mean to go on a, on a rant, you know, I, I just, I just feel, we just gotta be better people, I mean, regardless of, of what the situation, just be a good person, you know, right from wrong is not that hard to, to follow, uh, but other people's rights and other people's wrongs are a lot different, so it, it is going to be a challenge, and, um, but I, I think everybody knows the, the common sense answer to a lot of things. But yet here we are. Um, anyway, kind of little intro. Sorry for the lengthy intro, but uh, but yeah, uh, just be be good to uh, one another. You know, love much, hate less, and uh, everything in between. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Hopefully, I haven't lost. You know, if I have lost listening, you know, it is what it is. Let it lay. But uh, let it lie. Let it be whatever it is. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, this episode is with Clodian Mitri. Uh, he was a former member uh, for a year on Aftershock. He was a, uh, a rookie on the team. He went to the tryout. He, uh, he gained access to the team via playing his little butt off at the tryout. Uh, made the team and uh, slowly kind of worked his way into the triathlon uh, area and the endurance sports area and has been just kind of kicking ass ever since and it was uh, it's really interesting to kind of catch up with him and see where he is now and uh, yeah I think it was a great podcast I had a really good time and it's I'm really glad to see he's doing well it's uh, it's really cool to see Uh, but yeah here he is here is the podcast with Chloe Dimitri. But well, we're here yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Dude, thank you. Thank you for sitting down. I've uh, I've been kind of wanting to talk and uh, catch up pretty much yeah. ever since, yeah. you know, the whole, you know, what was it, like 2014 or something like that, that uh, everything went down?
1: It's forever ago, yeah. God, forever ago, geez. I know, yeah. it's,
0: it's so crazy.
1: So, uh, how how have you been? Good. I've been good, busy. It's just... I think it's been chaotic for everyone, but right. um, we've enjoyed a lot of I think my wife and I, we thrive off chaos. So if we have free time, I think we would not know what to do or we'd plan some type of trip or have right. a baby or have something. Like, <laughs> <do> something. <laughs> yeah. What would we do with this free time? But uh, it's catching up to us, and um, this has been kind of a – nice change of pace to really enjoy all the big changes that we've had this year. Right. So what do you do exactly? Uh, I like to tell everyone I'm a male model, but clearly no one buys it. So uh, (laughs) I've actually worked for Deloitte and Touche. They're um, known for their big four accounting. They do advisory. They do tax and consulting, so I'm in the consulting practice. I've been with Deloitte for seven years now, Mm -hmm. so a good amount of time, Um, but the thing about this, the work that I do, it's very, like you tell someone you do consulting, you're like, okay, what does that mean? Because you don't really consult, it's the most vague job. Yeah, super vague. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but my focus is helping major corporations around uh, finance challenges, my specific group that I'm in is within the real estate and location strategy. Mm-hmm. So we help companies figure out where they should possibly set up headquarters, where they should, where they, where they should open up facilities, do a lot of uh, strategy and analysis to really make sure that they can get ahead. Yeah. Um, costs a lot of money to hire Deloitte, of course, but in the long run, they're hoping to save millions of dollars. So hiring a contractor, they oftentimes don't have the resources to get it done themselves, so they bring us on for uh, little projects and big projects. Like, I've worked on two week long projects, and I've worked on a project with a company out in Boston for a full year. Hmm. So it varies, but that's also why I like about the job. I've been doing it for seven years, there's always some type of new challenge. Um, Companies don't really follow cookie cutter approach because it feels that simple. Sure. To do it themselves, right? So there's always um, new challenges. Like, for example, right now with all COVID-19, right, we're trying to help companies understand what their workplace is going to look like in the future. Um, is social distancing going to have to become a thing down the road? Right. Like, essentially, how can people feel safe coming back to work? Because there are companies like Twitter out there that are saying, like, hey, you don't have to ever come back to work. You can do it remotely. And I think this is helping companies realize that You don't have to come into the office every single day and work a standard nine to five. You know, business doesn't operate nine to five. There's always um, something going on. uh, But at the same time, you want to maintain that work-life balance, right? So I think it's an interesting challenge that companies have now and should Mm -hmm. be interested in what happens in the future.
0: Yeah, because you you think this would have been discovered a lot sooner than having a pandemic kind of blossom. And, and show people that you don't, you don't have to do the nine to five and, and be present every single day. But also that includes, it, it's like, it, it's almost like, obviously, you have to keep your job, but it's almost like, you know, showing up for the gym or working out. It's like, you have to show up and you actually have to do the, do the work to see the results.
1: Yeah, the, the way I look at it, it's, it's 2020. You know, I feel like we're if you have a full-time job, you're an adult. You know, hopefully, you know how to manage your responsibilities. Right. Uh, like I've been having this work-from-home type balance since I started with Deloitte, because you're either outside of the client every now and then. You'll go into the office mostly to maintain those relationships mm-hmm. and build a network. But other than that, I'm spending most of the time from home. But the reason why I think I've excelled so well at it, and why I really enjoy it. Um, is the fact that I know what my responsibilities are, and if I lack, if I don't get my stuff done, I'm not gonna have a job. Right. And I feel like if you can't grasp that, you know what needs to get done by the end of the day versus what needs to be get done at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you have those objectives, those short-term and long-term goals that you're working towards, and having knowing that like, hey, I gotta accomplish X, Y, Z today, I have this many hours in the day. I don't need to do it straight nine to five. I have, oh, I want to go on this family walk. My daughter has ballet class. Yeah. I, you can still get it done. As long as you're getting your work priorities done, I can't see what, no company will say like, hey, you're getting everything done, but I saw you weren't working between one and two. <laughs> like what company can say that right. and have any logic to fire? It doesn't make sense. So I'm hoping that there are a lot more people can take Advantage of this responsibly of course mm-hmm. and use it to their advantage to hopefully accomplish a lot more
0: Yeah, I think a lot of business, businesses, but uh, businesses in general will maybe take this to maybe save them some overhead on office space and be able to You know see this as a you know Keep some profits in their pockets and not having so much overhead with uh, extra bodies in the offices and uh, having to maintain that
1: Yeah yeah, it was really funny, like right before this pandemic in January, we were doing some interviews with our client and it was a local office site and we were trying to understand how many people are coming in regularly and what kind of work they do. And one of the managing directors, he was like, I want people in the office every day unless there's a pandemic or a hurricane going on. <laughs> Two weeks later, pandemic announced. I'm like, Look, it's like we're not going to the office. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting timing.
0: That's so funny. So, um, is this something that you went to school for?
1: That's actually the funny thing is. So, I went to school. I had no idea what I wanted to do during school. Um, I My freshman year, like it was, I was in high school. I had no idea where I wanted to go to school. I was the first one in my family to go to an American university. I didn't know how the process worked. Like, there's no alumni is that my oh, parents yeah because
0: you 'cause you're from what, Croatia or no not
1: Albania. I was uh so I was born and raised in Albania. We moved to America in nineteen ninety seven. Um so the majority of my family was still back in Albania. But I was um the first of my family to go to university. Uh so I knew nothing of it. So I followed on the coattails of my best friend uh, Nick Burchard, and his dad as they were doing college visits. They went to Purdue for a college visit. I'm like well, let's go check out Purdue. I know nothing about Purdue. And it was the one school that went for a college visit. Mm-hmm. That's where Nick Burchard went. So I was like, I'm going to go to Purdue too. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, yeah, but the main thing that attracted me to Purdue was the fact that they had a paintball team. And that's when I was really at the peak of paintball and going to college to play paintball with my best friend. I thought it was awesome. Um, and... So again, going into you know, your first year you're doing gen eds, um, I had no idea what I wanted to ma- uh, major in. I feel like business is a very, again, a very vague type mm-hmm. major. So I was like, let's do business, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just took all the gen ed type classes and our freshman year we went undefeated, beat everyone in NCPA, um, it was, it was an amazing experience to win the national title, but after that, I was like, man, I did everything I wanted at Purdue. I wasn't really happy in West Lafayette. I don't think many people are happy in West Lafayette. <laughs> um, so I ended up transferring to Marquette, and that's why I started um, gaining a little bit more traction on what I wanted to do, um, kind of. I ended up triple majoring in accounting, finance, and marketing, um, just because accounting is a challenging profession. The way I look at it is like if you have accounting as your foundation, you'll find something, right? So mm-hmm. that was like safety net in my back pocket. I liked marketing because I love interacting with people, being able to sell an intangible idea, figuring out um, mm-hmm. that end of it interested me. And I did finance just because I needed 150 credits for my CPA. Sure. Um, but then my first job out of college was in neither of those fields, it was more in economics focus. So it's like, you do these majors and then you end up not doing that job at all. And I worked for United Airlines um, doing revenue management. Uh, the whole time, like talking back with my wife when we were talking then, she thought I was working for United as like a bag boy to get flight benefits. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like. I didn't go to school in triple major Bag boy just for flight them.
0: No, nothing against bag boys. I mean, they're obviously needed, but bag boys, yeah
1: Hey, they're the really essential workers right now, now there you here, go. Right? Uh, But um, so I did that it was a fun gig I was uh, working and living out of Chicago and it was a good opportunity because I think it op- Opened up my eyes like how we were talking earlier. I was working the standard nine-to-five But I was getting so bored because it was the same type of work, it was very cyclical right after the first year, you do the same thing the next year, and the next year, and the next year. I was like, I can't do this, I need something a little bit more challenging, a little bit more dynamic, more types of uh, projects. And I got recruited by Deloitte, and um, that was at the point that I had my CPA. So the CPA is the equivalent of having an MBA, but it has you certified to work with Fortune 500 companies in, to their auditing or financial statements. Um, so it was the equivalent. Once I got that, I pretty much just got a pat on the back from United. I was like, this isn't the place for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so since then, I've just been with Deloitte, but with Deloitte, I went from, there were some weeks where I was working 70-hour work weeks, but I didn't mind just because I was very engaged I was, I had, it, got, it was something that got me thinking, and it would be different types of projects, different whatever. So. Uh, Deloitte is a very demanding job. Um, a lot of the people, like how they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. I will never be in the wrong room. I am very confident about that. <laughs> um, but that type of work is what keeps me intrigued and interested and there's always some type of new challenge. Right. And I think that's the biggest
0: thing is is making sure that you are challenged at you, at whatever you do. Um, and uh, you know, especially at your occupation, because that I feel is what keeps people waking up and going. Well, it's the, it's the good thing that keeps people waking up and, and going to work every day because you have obviously the one thing where they have to pay the bills. So they're doing it for the money, right? Yeah. But but then you have people who wake up and do it every day because they love it. So it's, if you can find that other half um, to where you want to wake up and go to work every day, even though obviously there are going to be highs and lows, um, just like with anything, but something that can just challenge you creatively. And, you know, I, I looked at this how uh, how I played paintball. You know, I looked at, at, a, at it as a creative challenge that where I would be thrust into this different situation every time and you would just have to figure it out. And if you can find an occupation that does that same thing, it's... Ah oh, man, it's a, it's a gold mine.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, it's uh, still trying to find that. I enjoy my job, but it's it's one of those things where it's like I yeah, you just have this feeling where you're it's kind of the same thing at United, right? It's it's like you 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 do it and it's it's fun and it pays the bills, but it doesn't challenge you creatively. And oh, I mean I totally agree
1: and that's like my position now. Like I enjoy what I do, it pays the bills. It's intriguing work. It challenges me, Mm -hmm. but it's not my dream job. It's not, I, I want to find something where it combines my passions with my interests and of course provides for my family. But at the same time can, the biggest thing is like, I want to leave an impact, make this world a better place some way, somehow while aligning it with my interests. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest, I, I, I don't think I'm doing that with Deloitte. Like sometimes to <laughs> rationalize like, right. oh, I'm helping this healthcare company. By making them more profitable, they're able to help more people. It's like, no, no, I want to directly streamline my tangible benefit to mm-hmm. the world, not yeah. trying to rationalize with these, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a million ways. It's just, you know, trying to find that one way and uh, making it work. So how, when did uh kind of paintball become a thing in your life obviously you you went to purdue and you were playing for that team you guys were successful there but how did kind of paintball come about and what kind of happened in that period after uh purdue
1: yeah well uh paintball has always been i I wish i had the background that most people do where they get in the woods they uh just really interest them with me it was like um, I don't know if you remember the team Less Than Zero back in the day and yeah, then they, yeah. LTZ kids. One of the guys who was playing for LTZ kids, his dad worked with my mom. And my mom was telling me about how they're going paintball and I was like, Oh, and I had no friends growing up, so they like had to tag along with him and they were having <laughs> you had no friends growing up, is that what you said? Yeah, I wasn't I was <laughs> just a very Lazy, mellow kid, just spent a lot of time watching TV. So, my mom made him take me to one of their paintball practices. So, my first paintball practice was like indoor, 15 balls a second. I was like, Terrifying. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like terrifying, but I was like, This seems so fun. And um, I just happened to like just jump on and play with random like walk ons or whatever. And there happened to be some um, local Young Guns team. I think I was 14 or 15 at the time Mm -hmm. that asked me to come try out for them. I was like this isn't even my gun. I don't have any gear. And it was just since then I just got hooked. It was like my first experience was airball and I just went down the rabbit hole. Um, So I was always intrigued by uh, paintball, especially in the Midwest. The Midwest has such an amazing culture of uh, paintballs and paintball teams and paintball history. Mm -hmm. And Going to the Badlands and seeing some of the historic teams like AfterShock and some of those like legends playing, I was like, this is unreal. And then uh, I got a lot more involved and played with um, GSE. We had a lot of success and uh, all the way up to D1. And then kind of people started just doing their own thing, growing up. And um, this was about the time that I was in college after I transferred from Purdue to Marquette, and that's when i kind of transitioned out and then i randomly was visiting uh, friends in chicago and they were telling me about how aftershocks doing tryouts i hadn't played in like three years and they were doing the roster i was like let's just go out and just have fun and enjoy it and just like it was just an excuse to play paintball again right uh, so I, like, I found, I think I showed up, I remember Mike Bruno's reaction when I showed up with a garbage bag of like my old gear. It was like, this kid can't be serious. But um, I, I always love paintball. It's one of those sports that you can't explain it to people. Like when you explain to people like, oh, I play paintball, but you don't understand. Like I right. was always follow up with that. I'm like, it's, it's one of the most intense, captivating sports. And just that feeling, that rush that you get it's like trying to explain it to other athletes now. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know that endorphin feeling after you have a good run? Mm-hmm. Multiply by, by 20 and pack it into a three-minute match. And it's just an unreal feeling just being able to shoot someone, run around. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm sure it's trying to explain people who don't
1: like NASCAR
0: why people like NASCAR.
1: Exactly. You get one of yeah. those things. <laughs> it's like yeah, you just, they just do, people- do. That's cool I guess I don't know but yeah I think that's a good way and it's a personal feeling right Mm -hmm. like that and then other people that I've talked to like when my best friends have gotten married I've had like bachelor parties and paintball is always a great idea but that feeling of excitement and pure joy that they feel from like shooting someone with a paintball is just like it's you can't feel it till you try yourself
0: it's accomplished like you feel accomplished like when you when especially when you see a ball hit off of somebody you you feel this accomplishment kind of rush over you obviously you have the feelings leading up to that but it's just this like this kind of peak that you hit it's it's yeah
1: and of course and like the more that you get into it and i got into it i just realized that you have to be smart to be a successful paintball player. Mm-hmm. Now people realize that they're like, "Oh, you're just a meathead out there shooting a gun really fast." And <laughs> that if that was the case, other like there are reasons that teams like Dynasty Ironman are so successful, just because they ha- they breed that intelligence, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it goes beyond the gun. It that yeah, yeah. It's
0: it's there's. I mean, there's a profession to it, so you, you there has to be some kind of hierarchy in the whole system. I mean cause, and it's so crazy to me still, to this day that we have not been able to figure out a way to market paintball. Uh, I mean, there's, there's ways that people are doing now, but just to to the masses be able to market paintball in a way where people kind of understand it in the most kind of cavemanish way of knowing what it is. And I, and I, but I think people do and I think, but it gets stuck there. It gets, Oh yeah. yeah, I played paintball one time in the woods and this and that. Like they get the concept, but like that concept is so much more compact and, and, and has so many more branches of information when you go to the tournament side that there's, there's so many other things going on that it's, it's tough to kind of explain. But I think a lot of people know what paintball is. I think a, a, a very good amount of people know what paintball is but they only know that side. they only know that uh, that rental side, and and that's kind of that gap that you know since since I've been playing, I think we've been yeah. trying to crack that code
1: and the the sad thing is like most people don't get that exposure because those big fields where they have the airball and the x ball type layouts, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of fields that have that where it was like me where I just happened to be there and see these people playing in an organized match and just being absolutely stunned be like oh i want to try that yeah. most people go to the woods or some sort of field and that's what it's limited to and you know like i have no intentions of ever playing paintball again i've definitely <laughs> gone way in an opposite rabbit hole yeah uh, thing is like it's one of those sports that is I still find very interesting and like with tournaments I'll still go on live stream and watch it just because it's it's interesting like I personally find that more interesting than watching the NFL or something like that yeah just because I can relate to it, and it's it's an intense sport mm-hmm. like I know some of the people on uh, some of the young guns that have come up in the ranks but it's still very interesting to watch the actual action and that level of play. And I feel like if more people had that exposure of seeing it live in a field, Mm -hmm. they'd go down the hole too, you know? Yeah. But that's the sad thing. Like in Chicago, I can only name, like, at the time when I was coming up, it was Fox Paintball and Badlands. And any other uh, fields didn't have an air ball set up. Yeah. So if you think about the people that were being reached through those other the old, their only exposure was to
0: woodsball. Yeah, I mean, the growth of the sport is definitely the growth of the uh, of the of the paintball fields. Yeah, I mean that's that's number one. Um, so you go to the tryout. Uh, you you come in. You haven't played paintball in three years. Uh, you have a garbage bag full of gear, which I'm sure smells great. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> but... About that moldy paint smell. I don't oh, think yeah, you it as many times as you want. I don't think will ever come up. <laughs>
0: Um, what was that tryout like from your perspective? Because I was, I was obviously there on the one side. Um, but what was that like from, uh, from your perspective?
1: I mean, it was fun. It was energy filled. Like it was one of those things that since I had nothing to lose, I literally just went out there just to play paintball. And I think that's what made it so fun. Like when, when I, I remember, the more invested you are, you're having these long Saturday, Sunday practices and it starts feeling like a chore, like you gotta do this play, you gotta do here, yeah, you gotta be here at this point, do this, that, and mm-hmm. like, man, that that's just like, and that's when I would sometimes fall apart versus just going out there and I felt like I played some of my best paintball not having played in three years is because I was acting off my instincts. Right. I was making moves that before I would have, Trip, like thought it out like triple times like oh should I make this move does this person have my back is this lane covered it's like no if I get shot whatever if I make this awesome move i make this awesome move mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I think makes players like LJ Woodley such a clutch player because I don't think he has much going on up here and he just makes decisions on the whim mm-hmm. and um, but at the same time like he has those that left side of the brain versus the right side where he makes those creative moves that just open up the game. And, again, same things that made Oliver Lang successful. Same things that made Damian Ryan successful. It's They know when to take the move at the right time and not overthink it. Because sometimes, yeah, they'll get shot. But the times that they don't get shot, they're winning the point for their team. Yeah, And that's how I feel I played during those tryouts just because it was an, an amazing opportunity that I never thought I would ever get to try out for a legendary team like AfterShock, And if I didn't make it, great. I'll put everything back in the garbage bag for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and there's so much truth to... Uh, to Obviously, the sport is, you know, there is such a big mental side to the sport. and uh, But if you're not the brightest on the field, if you could make up for it in timing, I mean, oh my God, that, that is huge. I know, I know I relied a lot on my timing. I, I wasn't the brightest on the field, but, um, you know, my thing was always, if I could, if I could make plays work 75 to 80% of the time, just because of my timing and just to how I get things done, I'm helping the team out. Right. Yeah. And
1: I think having played with you, I think what made you such A pivotal part for aftershock and other teams was you were confident in yourself and you trusted the moves that you were about to make whether it was the right move or the wrong move at the time you didn't second guess yourself and that's when you were able to open up the entire field and i think that's what makes good players great and everyone else is okay players
0: yeah, it's it's there's definitely separation there. But if that, and then that's, that's another thing. That's another huge thing. And that's, I kind of wanted to get that, uh, get into that with you, just because you went, like you said, another rabbit hole that you kind of went down. But it's this uh, confidence in yourself and this belief in yourself. That is, uh, man, it's, it's almost more, I would say it's almost needed more than smarts on a field. But I, I think it kind of goes maybe hand in hand, right? But I think just having confidence in yourself and believing in yourself um, is just on the top of the list of things that that are necessary for a for a high end player. Whether whether you be one of the best in the world or if you're just on a pro team in general, I mean you're you're on a very narrow side of the paintball world that not a lot of not not a lot of people get to experience.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree, and I think that's true for life. Like if you put yeah. that energy out there, it'll happen. It's either you'll become it or I I don't know. I just feel like like I said, growing up, I didn't have any friends. Like I growing up, I was honestly made fun of in high school. I played no sport. I was like the eighth string on the soccer team that played <laughs> like I it was just that, that bad. I played no sports. My yeah. parents were like very focused on like education, education, education. Even that, I'm like, all right, enough to get a B plus. That's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't have that confidence in myself. Then it it was after like in college where I feel like I got that confidence. Not from college, but I think it was through paintball. Like, I got like I didn't even think about this, but it, I really think it was through paintball. Just because of a lot of people that I was playing with at the time was. On GSE, like my best friend was Nick Burchard. I had everyone else on the team was significantly older than than me. Mm-hmm. So it was my first experience of being with older kids who are cool, you know. Yeah. So it was, I was treated as that, and even when I got on AfterShock, it was like you guys were all older than me, and it was like I was the young kid trying to look up to everyone as like role models and trying to model myself around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the people that I was playing with, they looked at me as an equal, as a friend. And the fact that I would then go to school, be like, hey, I matter to these people. These people are my friends. Like older, cooler people think I'm cool. Like that <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, I <laughs> felt the same
0: way when I was com- when I, when I got on excessive and everything, I felt the exact same way you did where I was like, hey man, you know, maybe I, maybe I am a little cool. Because yeah. I'm getting accepted by, you know, my my peers but my heroes at the same time, you know, with all the, maybe, you know, maybe I have a little something. Maybe I do have something going on.
1: Yeah, like I, don't, I didn't feel like I needed to do anything special around this paintball community. Like I was going out there having fun with my friends mm-hmm. and, you know, these people accepted me. And that's how I'm like, well, why do I need to be someone different? In school, in high school, in college, and whatnot. So, I kind of, once I went to college, I took that self esteem, I guess, that level of confidence, to be like, you know what? This is a new playing field for me, somewhere totally new. A lot of people don't know me. I can be myself, enjoy the things I enjoy, and hopefully the right people will accept me and like me. And those people that don't, well, that's okay too.
0: Yeah man it's you know thinking about this and talking about this it's imagine if more people were involved in the sport and they just had that happen to them
1: yeah how much I, it
0: change people's lives just just by that experience
1: yeah i think that level of community it just it'll like i learned so much just by being on that team just from people that had different life experiences that were doing different things Um, it definitely opened up my eyes and now looking back where everyone is in their lives. We're all very different people, but at the same time, we're all so similar.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I, I, I agree totally. And, um, and we all started somewhere and it's, and it's crazy how this just this little thing is not, not the only thing we have in common, but it's the one thing that is what made our paths cross because sure, yeah. there's there was nothing else there's I mean but who you know who knows actually thinking about it I mean there, there could have been if if you I and mean, this might be the tea talking but if you, <laughs> if you think about it it's like yes it was this one thing um you know that made us kind of cross paths but would there have been something else in the future or, or at any time in the past that could have made us cross paths cross paths in some other way and yeah, it, yeah, I don't know
1: it, it's stuff like that's very interesting, like just because I always think about that, right? Yeah. like I'm this kid who came from Albania due to XYZ happened with my parents to bring us here. I um happened to play paintball where I made my best friends that led me towards the paintball route versus any other sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Was able to do um, X, Y, Z that led me to marry this girl from Utah. I've been able to do like it. It's one of those things that like you can't decipher how the world's gonna work, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's just so much. Like the mantra that I was lived by is like I'm in love with people I've never met and places I've never been. Just because there's so much out there, and I honestly just want to experience it all. And yeah. um, I, I just honestly like it. It, it fuels me. Like, mm-hmm. like honestly, just having this conversation just gets me want to go pumped up and just go do something like <laughs> yeah. go for a hard run or just do. Like I feed off that energy, mm-hmm. and I, I it's not one of those things that I think comes naturally. People, I think you gotta open yourself up to it. Um, like let things change you and take advantage of it. Like see where it goes, you know? Yeah. You, that mindset,
0: I feel that the mindset is so necessary to, to have a fulfilling life. Um, obviously I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just kind of speaking for myself, but I always think about like, imagine where the nose would have gotten you. Like, Mm -hmm. so let's say you would have said, uh, you know, your mom's like, you're going to play paintball with this. What if you were just like, no, no, I'm going to go. Do, I'm going to go. Do, you know what I mean? It, it, like all of this would not have possibly happened if you just didn't make that decision or somewhere else down the line. Imagine if you didn't make the team. Imagine yeah. if you didn't go to that. Uh, if you didn't go to that trial or um, imagine even now in the future, if you decided to do something else in one of your uh, triathlons or if you decided or had some kind of self-doubt at one point where you would have... You know what I mean? It's like all these decisions that you've made and that everybody's made um, could be so different. Could be so different by just saying no or not wanting to do something or 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 putting something off or what what have you.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it also... But on the opposite end of that, I think that fear of failure or fear of whatever is what scares people to want to say yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've um, tried to accept is if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like it like if it's like in the way I look at it, it's like in the end everything will be okay. If if it's not okay, it's not the end. That there's still some more steps right. to to get there. And um you, I just don't think you can have that fear of failure and just how as things happen. It's it's how you kind of react to it, right? right. Like you can't, if you just focus on the negatives of it, you're just going to be demoralized and not want to say yes again. You, you become right. more complacent, right? So, and not everything is going to work out because it's not a perfect world, but just knowing how to react to a situation and adapt as needed.
0: Yeah. And, and I, you know, there's another thing that I think about of, uh, you know, of failures and of, of different, uh, different paths and roads and being okay with some sort of failure is I think some people become complacent with failure in the fact to where they don't put in the effort and they're okay with a failure. And I think that could be detrimental. Do you know, you know what I'm saying to where it's like, you know, if, if I'm okay with failure, of anything new that I try, but I'm okay with failure because I didn't give it a hundred percent and I'm just like, "Eh, I'll do whatever. We'll just, you know, it, I guess I failed again. You know what I mean? But you have to be okay with doing your best and getting everything out of yourself in that particular event or moment and still having a failure. You have to be okay with that. And I think that is the, the hump that a lot of people, uh, you know, have a hard time getting over too.
1: Yeah. I, like you said I, I think you need to go all in and that's one of the things I'm trying to be better at myself is I'm trying to fully commit to different things all in it, like I, I, I'm all about um, what's call it called I'm blanking on it um, just managing multiple things at once multitasking, but, multitasking that's the word wow uh, I'm, <laughs> like I'm all about multitasking mm-hmm. but it's time what like having taken a lot of these like um life coaching classes and reading books to try to better myself when you multitask too often you do not get the great results that you're you think you're getting and so it's hard for me to believe that just because when when I feel like I'm multitasking it's like I'm getting so much done but I'm trying to be better about being in the moment and being all in, mm-hmm. um, so that that's been my uh, focus as of late. And um, I think that was the biggest reason why I kind of went after that first year with AfterShock. Just ended up going a different route, just because that's when I was getting more interested into triathlon and Ironman and trying to. I, I remember that first year; um, it was such an amazing experience playing for AfterShock. But like, let me explain you my schedule. That was my first year with Deloitte, so. I would wake up early Monday morning. This is when I was first started with the Deloitte. I was a yes man. I was like, you know what, I'm working with people that went to Harvard, Yale, people that are way smarter than me. I wanna sack up and do well at this job. Right. So it's like that. my first big project was this year-long project in Boston. I'd wake up at 3.50 every Monday morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight to Boston go straight into the office, work all day Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Thursday I would fly back um, late in the evening and then have Friday working from home and then Saturday morning wake up early to drive to the Badlands for a practice. Same thing early Sunday morning. Um, my body would just be wrecked from the weekend and then have to wake up early again Monday morning. And like Monday to Thursday, I wasn't just working and then calling it a night. I was starting to get more into uh, triathlon and endurance sports. So I would run or lift weights or do something, some type of cardio Mm -hmm. just to stay in shape for paintball but also to try to get a stronger endurance athlete. So that that was my schedule. And it was hard, like I was traveling a lot By car, by plane, whatever, and it was just I wasn't getting enough sleep, and it it was just challenging. But it's like I felt like I was all in work, all in with paintball because I wanted to be a good paintball player. I was all in with like just too much, and I just didn't like I was fully committing myself to everything. And you know, being a rookie with a team like AfterShock, and we had some amazing players during that year too. I I'm like wow. I need to give it, like you said, be all in, give it 110% to even get the chance to play a point that can actually do something, you know? Um, So after that first year, I was like, I started getting too burnt out from life, not from paintball, just life in general. And I was like, I just need to reassess what my priorities are and what I actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. And um, Yeah, after that, I kinda quit paintball again, this time for good. And became a lot more focused in uh, endurance sports like uh, triathlon.
0: Yeah, you know it's the same thing uh, that you were talking about with with kind of multitasking. I think I forget what book it was. I don't know if it's the four-hour work week or uh, there's another one that I was reading too. I don't. But it said that there's there's a point where
1: you step. I recently read
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I just read it. Uh, I just got finished with it not that long ago. But I'm I'm gonna have to go back to that. And there's, I, I did the four agreements. I go back to. And there's, I've been into reading a lot lately too. I'm actually yeah. right in the middle of um, Paul Newman's book. Um, and it talks about how he got into the dressings and the like all of that and kind of how that whole kind of business side came about. Pretty interesting. Um, but it it was it was talking about how you you try and become the best multitasker but all you're doing is becoming the best busy person with no production yeah you know what i mean and and, I, and that was one of the things that i've kind of wanted to work on um, especially as of late is become less busy and more productive and i think that's why so many people feel like they're getting so much done because they have so many things going on but all you really are is you're just busy you're not really putting that time and focus into what it is you truly want to do or what really holds your interest. Or if you try to do that, you're so worn out from everything else that you you can't put that effort and that and the thought process in it. And um, I, I want to go back to when you were on the team with the Aftershock. And um, I, don't, I don't think we kind of gave you a fair shot, too. I, think, I don't think we gave you enough runs and spins as a rookie would need just to kind of feel a part of the team. Um, I'm sure you have your side of the story. That's just kind of how, how I saw it. Um, but what kind of attracted you to the endurance side of, of sports? I mean, obviously paintball, you need some kind of a cardio. And, uh, you know, especially if you're going to play multiple points, if you're going to play, you know, weekends on out. Uh, what kind of made you shift in that direction?
1: I It honestly happened... On a whim at the time, right before Afshock, I, I was working at United, and one of my friends at the time, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, living in the city, I want to take advantage of being in the city, right? He's like, Oh, I'm doing the Chicago Triathlon. I'm like, Oh, what's that? Like, that seemed interesting. Like, mm-hmm. he's, Oh, it's this like swim bike run in downtown. I'm like, Oh, that seems awesome. Like, how do I do that? So I just, this was on a Tuesday. I signed up for it. I had, all I did was like doggy paddle back in the day. I had no swim background. Mm. Uh, the only thing I did during college was lift weights to pick up tricks. That wasn't working <laughs> out. Uh, so I wasn't a runner. I, I didn't even own a bike. So I was like, so I went to a thrift store, found a bike from the 70s. It was a Panasonic. I didn't even know Panasonic made things that weren't TV, but right. they made bikes back in the 70s. Uh, so I found this old bike, and... I just went out and I did this like short sprint triathlon, it took a little over an hour. But the fact that, so to give some background to people, triathlon is you swim, bike, run, and then there are different distances, all the way from a sprint, which is uh, significantly shorter, all the way to an Ironman, which is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then you run a 26.2 mile marathon. Um, so I just did the sprint, by the time that I, I remember like being in Lake Michigan swimming. I was like, this is so hard. I can't wait for this to be over and it finally ended. And then you start biking and you're like, man, biking is so hard and you completely forgot about swimming. I'm like, I can't wait to this be over. And then you're like, okay, I just gotta get to the run. And then you get to the run and you're like, man, this running is so hard. I can't, like it's just, it channels my body in so many different ways mm-hmm. and just something that I never thought that I could Really do. So I, I got hooked just off of a short distance sprint triathlon. And then when most people think of triathlon, they think of Ironman. And I was like, okay, like I just want to do an Ironman just to do it and say, like, hey, I've done an Ironman. And after college, everyone was in that marathon phase where like everyone and their mother was running a marathon, whether to raise money for charity or just to say they did a marathon. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman just because that's the ultimate whammy, right? So um, I signed up for the Wisconsin Ironman in Madison. And my training for that was piss poor. Like I was literally lifting five days a week. And then I would run three miles of 5k every other day. I was like, And I would take a once a week. I would take a spin class at my local gym, like with the older women. And I was like, "I'm ready for an Ironman." So I I um, did that. I I was actually able to finish. I feel like I barely finished. It was like in fourteen hours, which is a long exercising. Uh, But after that, like I thought it'd be a one time thing. Like okay, I did it. Let's stop. Um, but I just got hooked. I'm like, man, I can't believe I actually, like, did that. And in my mind, I had actually trained for it, but I had mm-hmm. not trained at all. Right. Like, it was not the way that you uh, approach endurance sports, but just the fact that I started doing a lot more cardio into, like, looking back on it now, it's been my saving grace for my sanity. It's become so therapeutic. Like, that that feeling when you're for like for those paintball players out there when you're in the zone like during a point like how nothing else matters that's how i feel when i'm training i know what my goals are granted endurance sports those goals are a little bit more longer term Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's what gets me through um training three to four hours a day or going out and racing eight nine hours it's it's just the fact that I'm able to achieve something that I never thought would be possible, and at the speeds that I'm able to accomplish, it's just that fat kid who spent his whole summer watching TV. Um, the fact that I'm able to do this, I think, it inspires me every day, and I hope I think i I hope that it can open someone else's eyes out there to just do like just go out there and move. It doesn't yeah. have environment. It doesn't have to be a marathon. Just go for a walk around the block. I s- strongly believe we we're made to move. And by moving, you're able to experience things in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, so honestly, that's what gets me through every daily grind, every race, every... And I'm able to apply that same approach and methodology to work, family, life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just I went for a uh, a bike ride a couple days ago, and I uh, hadn't gone for a while. I actually uh, had the bike that was left from uh, from my dad when he passed, and I I just went for a ride. And I just in my head before I went, I was like, okay, like I just I thought about my path. I just thought about where I was gonna go. I was like, I'll go, I'll come back. That'll be it, because um, it was already like later in the evening, and I I took off and I. The first thing I debated was, music or no music, and I was like, yeah. "All right, well, I just haven't done it in a while. Let me just do something that kind of occupy my mind, maybe keep a rhythm, and yeah. uh, kind of put me in that mindset." And I started moving and going, and it was like, I didn't want to stop. It was it was so therapeutic, and like, I would just I would get to a point where I was like listening to the song and just like pedaling. And then I kind of look around and I was like, how did I get here? Like I would uh-huh. start going and, it, and it's amazing. And I, I want to go on more rides and it's, it's, I oh mean, it was so, I felt so much clarity on, on my, on my uh, ride. And you know, how does one prepare for a triathlon? Uh, you know, cause you obviously you had your experience of your, your rookie experience of going into these triathlons and, and, and your take on what you need to do to be ready for them but how did that change over the years and now what what do you do now to prepare for these?
1: Yeah, so my normal training week uh, depends on what, what cycle or what build I'm at the moment. Some weeks I'm training as little as 16 hours a week and there are other bigger weeks where I've trained as much as 24 to 26 hours a week. Um, so to a certain degree it does feel like a part-time job sometimes, but like I said, it's one of those things that I, I, I've i seen the results by having trained smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, to, to show you how I've kind of progressed and what my trainings look like since the beginning, most people, when they start getting into running or biking or swimming sports, they'll go out and they'll do everything hard, or like hard enough, right? Because right. you're like, the only way that I'll get better is by running faster every single time or biking faster. And one of the things that I've learned over the last couple years is that, especially with endurance sports like that, that's not how it works. Like I'll have uh, two speed sessions a week, but everything else is pretty much um, just longer volume and doing it at a conversational pace. Like I'll, like for example, tomorrow's like one of my easy days but then you hear easy day, and it's uh, an hour and a half bike ride, a uh, 10 mile run, and then a 45 minute swim. It's like, what about that? that sounds easy. That sounds like very <laughs> long day. But the fact is, like it's the like every workout has a purpose to a certain degree. Like tomorrow is about not over exerting my body, having that type of active recovery where I'm building fatigue in my legs, but you save the energy for the hard days, right? Like if you do everything at that medium effort, you're always gonna be a medium athlete. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you do your easy stuff easy, and your hards really go at it hard, your body's gonna have to adapt to those harder sessions because even though they're less during the week, it's producing a lot more stimulus to your body, and your body has to kind of adapt to that. But if you do everything at that medium level, you're not pushing your body hard enough where it will have to adapt. Because if you do everything at that medium level, you're not gonna be able to do some days medium, some days hard, just because you're constantly pushing yourself to go just hard enough, but not harder. Mm -hmm. um, The way I look at it is like do my easy stuff easy and my hard stuff really, really hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's—is that pretty much all of the activity that that, as far as a workout goes, is just you do what you would do in the triathlon, not not lengthwise, but but just the activity itself would just be swimming, biking, and and uh, running. Uh,
1: there's still a lot of uh, strength sessions that I do, and it's more like total body strength, like, and it's also stuff that uh, you more so see in like a Pilates class or a core type class where you're trying to engage your body in different ways rather than, you you don't care if you have giant packs, you don't care if you have giant biceps, it's more so how can I make my total body stronger so my muscles support my bones? Because the thing is like in triathlon, especially in the distances that I compete at, anywhere from like a half Ironman to an Ironman, you're going hard for four to eight hours, your body's gonna start falling apart. But if you have that total body core strength, you're able to support yourself longer. The thing with like Ironman's, it's not about who goes faster, it's about who slows down last.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everybody eventually just, Force yeah, will break down. You, won't, you don't have the energy to do it.
1: Yeah, and it's not like a marathon where they say, no, like all the people that are winning marathons are negative sweating, meaning that they run the second half faster than the first. I don't think there's any been anyone ever in the history of an Ironman where they've run the second half faster than the first.
0: Yeah. That sounds I mean I would I'm definitely intrigued by it. I don't know if I could do the whole thing, but man, it you know, it's I, I could see a, lo- a lot of how these movements and these uh, these things can relate to uh, a paintball workout and, and work on the paintball. I mean, just being healthy in general, um, and then on top of that, doing the things that uh, that you're doing. I can't I can't imagine there being, man, really anything else that you could do to really have strength and endurance all in one.
1: For sure, and that, like you said, I think consistency is key. Uh, being able to be consistently training or practicing—that's how you're going to get better. If you have to take time off because of an injury, you're falling behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's especially with paintball too, you're throwing your body in the ground so much and so often. It's yeah. it's my knees are killing. I mean I'm taking more C B D now and and it has been helping actually, but it just dude, I, I you know, I think back on it, I'm like, what am I what was I doing just voluntarily running and diving into the snake every That's single like, point it's,
1: and it's, it's yeah, the position you play, man, you are constantly abusing your body like it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't, I'm surprised I'm still walking, but luckily it's uh, it's all working out still. But um so when you did your first you did your first Iron Man, um how, was it just kind of lights out from there as far as uh wanting to pursue that and kind of paintball was in the, the rear view? Um or or just was it was it strictly because you just didn't have the the time to kind of split your your intentions?
1: Uh-oh. required the time can you hear me
0: I just I got you back
1: there it goes okay. like I'm investing significantly more time now versus what I was doing with paintball um, but it's one of those things that I'm truly passionate about at mm-hmm. this time and I'm willing to invest that time in and just the fact that I I don't think I've reached my potential I still have I still feel like I It's one of those things that I happen to be good at because I've worked hard at it. Mm -hmm. I have no natural running talent. No one in my family um, runs or does any of this type of stuff. It's not genetics, but the thing that I think is genetics or what I've gotten from my family is a work ethic and just the fact that I will do anything and everything I can to make myself better because I really want to succeed in this. It's one of those things that really lights a fire into me and if I can keep getting faster through that hard work, I'm gonna invest the time in it. I I think I have a lot of potential to get faster and I think it's just the start. I feel like this is the first year and a half that I'm I've actually started taking this a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to essentially explode come April. And then COVID happened and all my races got canceled. So it's was like, <laughs> man. Um, but luckily I got a very good, uh, smart coach. And he's been kind of helping me build my base where I've lacked in the past because I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't do cross country in high school or track or anything. So I have a lot of opportunity to build that base that foundation, mm-hmm. uh, where other people are ahead of me. Um, so once race season does come up, I'm excited to see what I can, uh, achieve. And until then, like, yeah, it sucks not being able to race right now, but I'm still going to put in the works just because I know when the time comes, I want to be ready yeah. and, you know, I want to go out there and bash heads in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice, dude. Do you still have that, uh, that bike? your first bike
1: uh, yeah, I still do it's, it's a hike and here's the funny thing is from that first triathlon there was a photographer that got a photo of me in the following year it was on the athlete guide for the Chicago triathlon I look like the biggest noob in the world like I'm wearing uh, like an oversized baggy shirt this bike definitely looks so old I'm wearing I uh, like Nike shoes on top of the pedals like I don't even have bike clip pedals and I'm like how why did they put this on the cover like are they they have to be making fun of me but at the same time they're making fun of themselves by putting it on the cover yeah but I I, yeah it was interesting
0: <laughs> what um so what is your diet consist like because I can I can only assume that your diet had to change along with obviously your physical activity
1: yeah. Well, the thing is like, I've always liked food uh, and I eat a lot of food. I, I've never, I don't have the discipline to count my calories, but I think it's anywhere like- Because you're burning uh, so many? Yeah. Plus it's just like too time consuming. Like for the fact that I'm just like, some of the concoctions that I made, you're like, you're literally just piling food on top of a bagel. Like cause that's not really a thing. Right. But it's just, um, I just try to get- like when I'm hungry, I eat. I don't try to limit myself. Like, oh, it's not two o'clock yet; it's not time for a snack. It's like, no, I'm hungry. Some days I'll be hungrier than most. Um, for the most part, my wife and I are um, we're very like plant-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's strictly vegetarian; I'm not. But to the point where it's like majority of her food is plant-based, and but I'll still eat meat just because my body's craving it. Like some days I'll just have. A crappy workout it's like oh i need more iron if my body's craving a burger i'm gonna eat a burger i'm not but i have noticed that we're primarily really vegetarian and plant-based um i personally do not exclude carbs i overeat on carbs uh like for example today i've had four bagels um and That's I a had lot of bag- like full bagels full like costco kirkland bagels full like,
0: side bagels <laughs>
1: And the thing is, like, I loaded that Like, for example, like, I, my, one of my standard, like, snacks is a bagel, cream cheese. I'll put pesto on it. Um, I'll put avocado on it because I need the healthy fats. And then I'll put, like, Costco's rotisserie chicken on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like a giant freaking thing. Um, uh, so it's like trying to quantify the amount of calories on that. I'm like, that's going to take at least a good 20 minutes and I'm good. Um, <laughs> But, um, and then my standard like breakfast is a bagel old eggs and avocado. So I try to um, get enough calories in me, get the carbs, get the healthy fats, a lot of protein. And one of the things that when I'm not, um, thankfully, my wife is awesome with the food that she makes, and so she is very vegetarian. Um, she'll make um, stuff very heavily. Influenced with vegetables, but one of the things that I've been trying to focus more on is my nutrition and hydration. Mm-hmm. And I've actually over the last year have partnered up with uh, First Form, and I've actually been, oh, nice. uh, yeah, I've been increasing a lot of my protein intake, my carb intake after a workout, my Opti Greens and Opti Reds, which have the vibrant amount of the green vegetables, anti-inflammatory. Uh, red type vegetables. So the days where it's like, I'm like, did I eat a single vegetable today? I know that I can just take some of the opti greens, opti reds and be covered. So um, it's good to have that kind of support. But like one of the other things that I was telling you about how my training has changed from back then to now, also back then I, I was I was focusing, I was thinking to myself like, hey, the purpose of these workouts, yes, to get stronger, but I also want to look shredded. I want to look skinny. I I was focusing on like calories burned versus, so sometimes I'll be like, this is an easy one hour run. I'm not gonna drink Gatorade just because Gatorade has 200 calories. Why am I gonna try to drink Gatorade with all these calories if it's just an easy run? If it's a hard run, yeah, let's get the Gatorade because I, um, but that's not a smart approach to it. you need essentially. You're losing a lot of. It, it's about this type of sport. Is about fueling yourself, right? Mm-hmm. If you're under fueled during this session, you're going to pay for it tomorrow session, or the work, the next workout, or wherever you have. So now every single workout, I'm taking some type of nutrition or some type of um, electrolyte, and I'm not depriving. Like I, I'm, I would not try to. I try to eat when my body needs it. Like after every workout, I make sure to get protein in. Back in the day, after only the hard workouts, I'd get protein in. Just because I would rationalize back, oh, this is an easy workout. I don't need to fuel myself. And honestly, since then, I've increased my calories by uh, 1,000 to 1,500 per day. And it's like the most lean I felt um, and looked. And um the stronger, the better numbers I've been able to put out. Um, So that's been interesting for me.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, with you explaining that, I mean, I'm kind of thinking it as the less fat that you lose or the more fat that you lose, even though you're gaining muscle, that muscle is the driving force behind moving the said body. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, honestly, now... I don't even focus like I don't I can't even tell you how many calories I burn per session because it doesn't matter to me. Right. I uh, just do like I said do my easy stuff easy, my hard stuff hard, and make sure that I'm constantly fueling my body to be able to be ready for the next session feeling strong and ready.
0: Yeah. So the biggest question that I have mm-hmm. since discovering that your wife is vegetarian and you yourself you you eat a lot of vegetables
1: How do you get the kids
0: to eat the vegetables? What is the secret?
1: I was honestly thinking about that. Like, for example, for dinner, my wife made this like coconut veggie soup with zucchini and carrots and all this stuff. It sounds good. And I'm feeding it to them. I'm like, how are you eating this? Like, because (laughs) I I just I think it's one of those things, and it got me thinking. I'm like, I think if you feed your kids right they won't know that hey this sucks but as soon as they start overindulging in things like mac and cheese or overeating chocolate mm-hmm. if you have a lot of that of course you're going to realize that that's exponentially better than any vegetable out there right but I feel like if you maintain some type of balance um, I, I it honestly just goes back to my wife being my saving grace just because she handles things so well with the kids and is so smart like with me like you wouldn't think that I'm a father of two just because I have no idea when a kid's supposed to start walking when they're supposed (laughs) to start talking like is this the fact that she is such a great mother I think that's the hardest job that anyone can have and I think the fact that people are at home and exposed to what their wives do with all the COVID stuff I hope it'll open up their eyes to how hard being a mother is mm-hmm. and the fact that my kids are able to eat so well and so nutritious just really makes me um feel lucky just because there are times when we'll go out and eat some type of uh and like we'll bring snacks for the kids and i see like what other moms are packing versus like we have dried mangoes or some type of like fig bar or just something while like the other kids are eating cheetos i'm like mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I can have such trust in a woman that my kids are hopefully going to turn out okay because they don't make you sign any type of permission slip when you take the kids out of the hospital. No. So the fact that these kids' lives are in your hands, I'm like, I'm definitely going to mess up. (laughs) Yeah. They say good luck and
0: they, they push you out the door and they, they accept the new pregnant mother coming in.
1: Yeah. When, when we left with Adeline, like our first, I was like, I just kept looking back, like, "Is someone going to chase me? Am I stealing a kid from the hospital? Like, <laughs> do I have to do something?" Do that but... first.
0: That first night, we brought our son home, or our firstborn. That first night, we sat in the middle of the living room and, like, we cried because, because yeah. it's like it's one of those things where, it, you know, we looked at each other and we looked at this thing that we had no idea you know, who it was or what it was or anything for the whole time it was growing inside of her. And because it's just, it's just this preconceived idea that you have of everybody else's kids or or what a baby is and what it means to be responsible and take care of and love and, and all this other shit. And you, you sit down and you physically see it and you hold it and it cries and you have to feed it. And we kind of just sat down at the end of the night and we're like, we, we just started crying and we're like, just what? did we get ourselves into it was a happy cry it was a sad cry it was like a an emotional just roller coaster because you knew from that point on it was it was just going to be different but you
1: accept the challenge for sure i i completely agree and just the fact that like a part of you is outside in the world and like my kids are so different but so alike um but just i i have that same feeling And I personally love kids. I've always wanted to be a dad. I've always wanted to be a husband. But at the same time, I know that my life's changed, but I look at it as I'm excited to experience all this stuff with my wife, who's my best friend, with my kids who are, I I just see how curious and life-loving they are. And I'm like, I wanna, I I don't think having kids or being married should be a limiter for your life. Mm Yeah. Your life's going to be hard and challenging, but it's only as hard and challenging as you make it. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, I, I talked with so many friends, and they're like, Oh, what, what are you doing? Like, having kids so young. I'm like, I'm like, What, what do you mean? They're like, Well, we're going to wait a couple of years before we have kids. I'm like, How's my life different than your life? like my daughter before the age of 1 had been to 20 countries. Mm-hmm. You don't have any kids. What ha- what rooftop bar have you gone to this weekend that's different from last weekend? Like I like not to take away from anything, but I just don't from those people, but it's like I don't think having kids makes my life any more limited than anyone else's. Right. If anything, it makes me want to show them the beauty that is in the world and um yeah, I, I, that's the way I look at it. It's like, and I'm honestly like, excited to have more kids. My wife lets me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's like, I, especially at the age that they're at now, yeah. especially with their like, little boy, it's like they're getting so curious and they, they can do stuff. Versus like when they're a newborn, those first six months, they literally just, they're like jello on the couch. They literally sit there, they do nothing. Yeah. But at this age, they're so dynamic, interactive, and it's, like they're of course learning from us, but it's like I'm learning so much from them because it gives me a chance to do things for the first time with them.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. And
1: we're eventually,
0: sometime you're gonna have to get with your wife and send me a list of things that that the kids are enjoying to eat and everything, and I'm I'm gonna try and introduce those into because it, I mean we try our best, you know, to to feed our kids, and I, I think there's, I I think we, I don't know, I think we give up too easy. And because kids are so, because kids, they don't have, kids have one speed, right? And it's just, it's, it's go, this is what I want. You don't negotiate with a four-year-old. You don't try and make a deal with a four-year-old because you're going to lose. Even if you win, you lost. Even if you think you won, you lost. So it's like, you know, you you have to be such a strong-minded parent. And, you know, just kind of what we were talking about can translate in, into your wife and my wife and, and mothers in general, you have to have this mindset going into into motherhood. I, can, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like being a mother, um, but just being a parent in general, you have to just have this mindset, especially if you care and love about this child, you have to have this mindset of doing the right thing for the kid, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the little one and, and doing the right thing for yourself, doing the right thing for the kid and you know, making this life something that they want to be a part of, that they that they can look back on and remember, and and you know, as a father, that's one of the things I want is for them to be able to kind of look back and and have a good relationship with them. But then also on top of that, be able to look back at the lessons that I've tried to teach them. Um, you know, and if 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 I do a good job, hopefully they when they come to those tough decisions when they get older when school becomes a pain you know because of other kids and and you know how that whole you know how that whole thing goes and I know how that whole thing goes and they can approach that situation and make the right decision that's really how I take it I want to be able to to help without being there I want to be able to help in in the in the situations that they're going to be in
1: yeah yeah you know how they say it's like as a father you want your kids to have a better life than you do mm-hmm. and I think like I I wasn't the best son, but my dad was, was, wasn't also the best dad. But like looking back on it, like he did everything that he could while trying to figure it out. Yeah. And it's like I think back to some of the decisions I had to make. For example, my parents were never really into paintball, so I would have to uh, like lie to them when I was going to practice or lie to them when I was traveling for tournaments like oh yeah i'm in a mix house but yeah. i'm actually in florida for the world cup uh or i remember once like they called the cops on me because they thought i was missing but i was at just this <laughs> and it, so it's like plus the fact that i was able to you know navigate myself to build trusting enough relationships mm-hmm. without having to consult my father or figure out how to book a flight to get to Florida and organize all the logistics of that. Right. Just little things like that. He had no idea. I didn't consult with him, but the fact that I was able to do that makes me realize that, you know what, like unconsciously, my dad molded me to make these decisions to get to the point that I'm at and to handle the challenges, the adversity, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, of course, I want to give my kids a better life. But I think that's the biggest thing that you can give your kids to be able to handle themselves just because, man, adulthood is freaking hard and trying to figure out there's no uh, yes or no book or guidance book to how you should live life, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think just kind of like as we talked uh, touched on in the beginning, just opening yourself to possibilities and learning from the setbacks, the challenges, the pressure, or whatever, and learning how to adapt. And, you know, if my kids fail, I'll be there, I'll support them, I'll love them, And but I'm not gonna hold their hand through everything, you know?
0: Right. Was what it, it uh, what's the saying? It's, uh, challenge is a part of, of life, and without challenge, there is no life. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, if you if you're not being challenged, what are you living, you know, are, yeah. you, are you just this one celled thing kind of going through life? and you, you need the challenges. And um, that's awesome, man. I, well, I think that's a great I think that's a great point to uh, to wrap up and a, a great little kind of send off. Um, is there any kind of social media that you want to push out there? Because I really enjoy um, looking at your Instagram just with your yeah. uh, your race photos, but then also your family photos. Uh, because you guys are, are all over the place and that's that's so awesome is there you, you want to let everybody know where they can find you
1: yeah for sure i'm uh on instagram as clodian gosling um as in ryan gosling no relations a huge fan uh it's at k-l-o-d-i-a-n-g-o-s-l-i-n-g um yeah feel free to give me a follow i try to keep it light and interesting and uh hopefully put a smile on people's faces
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you doing this and it was for good sure. catching up.
1: Yeah. Great catching up with you too, man.
0: And I wish you the best of luck in your, uh, in all of your races and everything. And, and, uh, and yeah, have a, uh, have a good one, bud.
1: Thanks man. You too. We'll Bye. Talk to you.
0: Bye. Thank you, Clodian for, uh, for chatting with me. Had a good time, man. Uh, It was really cool to kind of hear your story coming up. I I didn't really get to know you all that well on the team, but uh, I've been kind of following you ever since, and I'm really glad you're doing well, but have a good one. Yeah, so here we are, another podcast. I just want to thank you all for uh, kind of sitting down and, or running or driving or doing whatever you're doing and listening. I really do appreciate it. Um, If you could please... Just, uh, just help out a neighbor, donate to a charity, do something good this week. Uh, help a kid who is trying to learn how to play tournament paintball or paintball in general. Be a good person. Just uh, enjoy paintball and uh, enjoy each other, and enjoy the times while you have them. But yeah, but uh, just be a good person. That's all I got. And we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys here soon. I'm playing on podcast. Peace.